0: for joining me on this latest episode of Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma. This is episode 20, and we're going to talk about why we always seem to make the wrong choices in relationships. I'm so glad that we're walking the path towards healing together. So, just a quick reminder, I'm not a clinician, counselor, or physician. I'm a certified trauma support specialist with lots of lived experience with trauma. Also, the information presented in this podcast is for educational purposes only and not meant to replace treatment by a doctor or any other licensed professional. All right, let's dive in. So over the last few episodes, we've talked about different types of relationships, healthy, unhealthy, and abusive. For those of us with a trauma history, many of us keep making mistakes in our choices when it comes to any kind of relationship, but most especially when it comes to a romantic partner. We can repeat a pattern of choosing someone who is hurtful damaging or abusive to us, and we wonder why we make these choices over and over again. We don't understand why we pick someone that hurts us, that's abusive to us. We wonder why we just can't find someone nice, and we lay the blame at our own feet. We can feel that the fault is ours and that there must be something wrong with us. We don't understand what keeps happening, what we must be doing wrong. Well, let me tell you, first of all, there is nothing wrong with us. As we've been learning, the choices we make in a romantic partner has everything to do with our history and experiences with trauma. So if we were abused and neglected as a child, we may have no sense of self, no self-worth. Our first relationships with our parents or caregivers, might have been unhealthy and dysfunctional. And we never feel safe. We learn not to trust. We know that these people won't care for us. They won't keep us safe. We might have lived in survival mode only, never knowing what was going to happen from one minute to the next. These first relationships are crucial to development across our lives in every way. If we have healthy parents or caregivers, we learn that our environment is a safe one. We trust these people. This builds the foundation that all of our other relationships are built on. However, if we have dysfunctional, abusive, or unsafe caregivers, our foundation is shaky at best. We have no idea who we are, what we want, And more importantly, what we don't want in relationships. We never had anyone who modeled what a good relationship even looks like for us. As we grow up in dysfunctional, unsafe or abusive environments, we also aren't taught boundaries. And those are so important. They are those lines that we draw for ourselves with others. They tell us what we will and will not accept regarding behaviors, actions, and attitude from other people. When we're raised in a healthy environment, we're nurtured, valued, respected, and we learn that our needs matter. We have a good sense of what the difference is between acceptable and unacceptable behavior from other people looks like. So if someone comes into our lives and doesn't treat us well, or if they cross or violate our personal boundaries, we have the ability to walk away from that relationship. It doesn't serve us or enhance our lives in any way, so we let it go. But if we have weak or no boundaries, we have no clue as to what is healthy regarding relationships. So we might continually hang on to a relationship that isn't good for us refusing to let it go out of fear, you know, fear of rejection, fear of being alone, fear that no one else will want us, fear of being physically, mentally, or emotionally hurt. We don't understand why we aren't enough. Somewhere in our minds, we convince ourselves that if we just love that person enough, do everything they want the way they want it, We can love their destructive behaviors away. I know that when I was in my abusive relationship, that's what I thought. I just knew that my love, patience, care, and attention would work. It had to. I could fix him, make him better, right all of his wrongs. He needed me intensely. It was almost like a feeling you could touch. His intensity desperation, neediness, all fed something in me. Just like I had done with my mother, it became my full-time job to keep him alive, to make him better. That caregiver tendency in me came out in full force. He gave me just enough love at just the right times to keep me hooked. And abusers know exactly how to play those cards, by the way. They keep us totally off balance. We never know what's going to happen, when it'll happen, or what it will look like. And we live for those little crumbs of love and affection they give us. Let me tell you, there is not enough love, care, patience, and attention that exists in anyone in any amount that can fix another person. We can't love abusive behavior out of someone else. We can't fix anyone else. They would have to address their own issues and fix themselves. Abusers don't really feel that their behavior is wrong. They can hurt us and apologize, admitting that they were wrong, And they can beg for our forgiveness, declaring their love for us and promising they won't hurt us again. But it's a lie. It will happen again, over and over. They do this to keep us hooked and under their control. They know exactly how to play on our feelings, on our love for them. And we do love them. There's no denying that, even though they hurt us. We feel a desperate need to make it work. We have that fear of being alone. Over time, we can also experience something called trauma bonding. As abusers over time take away our support systems like family and friends and even our jobs, then they keep us isolated and under their control. We can begin to feel that we are completely dependent on them for our survival. We even turn to them for comfort and emotional support, even though they're the ones that hurt us. Sounds twisted, right? It is, but it is a perfectly understandable response from someone who has no sense of self or identity of their own. Our relationships become entangled, enmeshed. We have no idea where we begin and end. Our identity and self worth are defined by the other person. Their treatment of us, responses, crumbs of affection, comments, criticisms, blame, shaming, isolation, all serve to knock us down to our lowest self. Their treatment of us is the yardstick by which we measure ourselves. If they abuse us, are cruel, violent, or mean, we must have deserved it. We did something wrong. They reinforce that feeling in us, saying things like, you made me do this, or this is your fault. They tell us we're stupid, slow, ugly, fat, whatever words they use. They easily convince us that all of these things are true about ourselves. And if we gather up the courage to leave They pull out all the stops to keep us from going. They can go from begging, pleading, declaring their undying love, to threatening to hurt or even kill us if we leave. Another common tactic, and it really is common, and most abusers use this at some point in time, is if we decide to leave, then they tell us they're going to kill themselves They won't do it. They are too selfish, self-important, and self-serving. Even if by some miracle they try to hurt themselves, that is not under our control. Remember, we have absolutely no control over another person. We have no control over what they say, do, or how they react and respond. We only have control over ourselves and what we do, say, and how we react and respond. If you remember my episode 13, titled My Swiss Cheese Theory of Trauma, I explain what happens to those of us who have traumatic histories. Trauma leaves us full of holes. Those holes represent all of the things that we didn't get growing up that we needed. We needed love, guidance, boundaries, limits, respect, care, support, and safety. We needed to learn that we matter. Our needs, our wants, interests, opinions, everything about us was important. If we didn't get those things, the holes, those unmet needs leaving us are huge, wide-open spaces in our souls, in ourselves. We hurt. We feel less than. We don't feel that we deserve good things or good people in our lives. So in our hurt and confusion, we try to fill up those holes in any way we can. It could be relationships, food, sex, substances, Impulse buying, which can look like spending money on things we don't need or spending money we don't have. Self-harm behaviors, anything we can find. We do these things unconsciously. We don't think about the deeper why of what we're doing. However, it's just a short-term fix to a long-term problem. It's like trying to put a band-aid on a huge open bleeding wound that really needs stitches. In the long run, we are really just hurting ourselves over and over again. We put on that band-aid and rip it off repeatedly, never treating the wound correctly and never giving it a chance to heal. What we are doing is trying to plug up those holes from the outside in. But the only way to heal. To create real and lasting change is to fill those holes up from the inside out. We have to start by healing ourselves first, doing the really messy, hard, painful work of giving ourselves those things that we didn't get from others that we so desperately needed. So as we go along through our lives full of these holes, desperately looking to fill them up and stop the hurt, we are open and vulnerable to making the wrong choices in people to have romantic relationships with. With no boundaries, based on what our trauma histories have taught us about ourselves, we don't believe we deserve any better. We can have this almost desperate need to be loved, wanted, and cared about, particularly for those of us with a caregiver mentality, and that's totally me. We want to be able to do everything we can, whatever's in our power for someone we love. So is caring for or loving someone and wanting to do things for another person that we love wrong? No, of course not. However, it should never come at a cost to our personal self, safety, or by sacrificing our whole being. Loving someone doesn't mean that we as an individual cease to exist. Our physical, mental, and emotional safety, thoughts, opinions, ideas, independence, and basic human rights are just as important as anyone else's. We, as our own person, matter. We are important and deserve to have any relationship we're in based on mutual love, kindness, empathy, respect, safety, and, of course, respecting those healthy boundaries. None of us exist in this life to be abused Misused, exploited, hurt, damaged, or to be made to suffer at the hands of another person or persons. If you're in a relationship where your safety, mental, physical, and emotional health are at risk, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1 800 799 7233 for help in leaving the relationship safely, and for other resources. And if you're in a situation where you feel you are in immediate danger, please call 911. We begin by learning and understanding just how much our traumatic histories have affected us. We behave, respond, and react in a perfectly normal and biologically correct way according to how our trauma has changed us physically, mentally, and emotionally. Especially if we've had childhood trauma, our experiences physically change the way our brain wires itself. Our brains don't even fully develop until we're 25. So our developing brains exposed to trauma wire themselves for survival only. The thinking part of our brain shuts down. So we live in that survival mode. So we react accordingly. We have to then forgive ourselves for doing what we needed to do in order to survive. We learn, understand, we forgive ourselves, and then we start the healing process one tiny baby step at a time. There are going to be days where we take a step forward And then the next day, we might feel like we take a step or two back. Learning how to heal is a process. There is no map or timeline. Your journey is yours and will take as long as it takes. But every tiny step is still progress, even if it doesn't feel like it. So, this is where I like to close us out with a new exercise that we can add to that mindfulness toolbox we're building together. Remember, you don't have to do this now or at all if you don't want to, but you might just listen and tuck it away in your mind for future reference. This is a visualization exercise, one designed to get you in touch with that hurt, wounded, abandoned, and neglected inner part of yourself, that inner child. Your inner child is that subconscious part of yourself tucked away in your brain, who you were as a child, that part of you that has all of those holes that need to be filled up in a healthy way from the inside out. This is not you imagining a time you were hurt. This is not about reliving a bad time or event. I'd like to invite you to find a safe and quiet space so that you can practice this exercise. We always start with our mindful belly breathing. Breathe slowly in through your nose, your belly naturally pushing out as you inhale to a count of five. Hold your breath for a count of one then slowly exhale out of your mouth. Your belly should naturally move in as you exhale to a count of five. Do this five times. When you're ready to begin the exercise, you can do this either with your eyes open or closed. It's up to you. If they're open, maybe have your eyes rest on a blank or not too busy spot, maybe a wall or a door. As you breathe slowly in and out, I'd like to invite you to bring to mind a safe and beautiful space. It could be one you've already identified, or if this is new to you. I'd like to ask you to imagine such a space for yourself now. It could be anywhere, as long as it feels safe and calming to you. Hold that image in your mind. When you're ready, I'd like you to next bring to mind an image of yourself as a child. It can be at whatever age you choose. They can be exactly like you, or they could look a bit different. Picture this child in that safe space you imagined for yourself. Take some time to hold this image in your mind. Next, when you're ready, look a bit closer at this child. What is this child wearing? What is their name? What color is their hair? What are they doing? Are they playing? Are you looking at each other? Is this child smiling at you? Or do they look afraid or uncomfortable? Next, when you're ready, I'd like you to picture yourself as you are now, the adult you, slowly walking over to this child. When you get closer to them, imagine yourself getting down to their level. You could sit next to them or crunch down so that your eyes are at the same level as theirs. Next, when you're ready, You could imagine telling them that they're safe now. You could talk to them calmly, lovingly, and tell them the adult you is there now to help them feel safe and loved. Next, if you choose, you could imagine yourself asking your inner child if it's okay to give them a hug. If the child nods, and says it's okay, imagine wrapping them in a gently reassuring hug. If you also choose to at this moment, you could give yourself a real hug. If you feel like it, wrap your arms around yourself. You could gently move your hands up and down your upper arms if it feels comforting. Hold the image of you hugging your inner child. You could then say either to yourself or out loud to your inner child, You are safe in this moment. I love you, and I am here to protect you and keep you safe. You could say, I am here now to help you whenever you need me. You can stay this way for as long as you choose. It's up to you, whatever feels comfortable and right. When you're ready, you can begin to bring your awareness back to your breathing. Breathe slowly in through your nose and out through your mouth as many times as you wish. When you're finished, take a little personal inventory and think about how you feel. This exercise can be really powerful and can bring up a lot of emotions. So please plan to care for yourself afterward. Do something good for yourself. Drink something soothing like a cup of herbal tea. Snuggle up with a pet or a comfort item under a blanket. If you like to write, you could journal about your feelings. You could take a warm bath. Play some soothing music. Talk to a friend. I hope this exercise was something that you found helpful. And it's just more tools to add to that mindfulness toolbox that we're building together. So whenever you need to go to that toolbox and pull out any skill we've learned in order to feel more grounded, safe, and connected, do it. I've created a list of all the techniques and exercises we've learned on my website, invisiblewoundshealingfromtrauma.com, and I'll keep adding to it as we go along. I've also put each exercise to beautiful video and music on my YouTube channel, Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma. Please subscribe if you like what you see and hear and share widely. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today and please keep on listening wherever you listen. Please like, subscribe, favorite, and follow me. And what you think really matters to me too. So comment on the show. Let me know what you think, whatever's on your mind. You can find me on Facebook at Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma, on Twitter at Walker 58 and my website, InvisibleWoundsHealingFromTrauma.com, and my YouTube channel invisible wounds healing from trauma. Look for my new episodes dropping every Monday on all of your favorite podcast, music, and listening apps. Please take extra good care of yourself, and we'll talk soon.